So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Duresmo, and with me, as always, is Eric Walensky. Hey folks, are you ready for a podcast in the rough? Here I go. Alibaba, he had them 40 thieves. Shahrazad, he had a thousand tails. But master, you're in luck because up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have our first podcast over several different weeks, not in order, but we're going to talk about the Disney live action remakes. And our first one to tackle is 2019's Aladdin, based on the 1992 Disney animated feature, Aladdin. So Eric, tell me about 1992. Tell me about little Eric watching Aladdin on the big screen and how I know you just left the theater singing Street Rat, Riff Raff, Eric Don't Buy That. Actually, well, little Eric was... Uh, 16 <laughs> so not not little you were so uh, little <laughs> i i weighed a lot less for sure <laughs> yeah no i was 16 and i remember distinctly going to see this film because i went with my buddy from high school and we had to take his three little sisters and they were i think uh, all under 10 one might have been 11 uh, 11 or 12 maybe, but uh, the other two were, were definitely under 10. I think they were 7 and 8, 8 and 9 or something like that. Anyway, and I was like, sure, why not? You know, he's got to take his kid sisters to go see a movie. I'll go tag along. Why not? I mean, it's Disney. It's a cartoon. I heard Robin Williams is in it. It might be good. And mm -hmm. it was fantastic. Yep. I think I enjoyed it more than his kid sisters did. I was like over the moon for this. I was cracking up. Gilbert Godfrey as Yago <laughs> was slaying me. Everything he said. And me and my buddy were like quoting it the whole way home. His kid sisters were quiet the whole time. And we're sitting here like trading Yago <laughs> lines back and forth. But uh, yeah. But that's not and the I, purest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really, really good. And I had actually missed The Little Mermaid, which I believe was 1990? Nope, 89. 89. Okay, so, so we started the Disney Renaissance. Yes, I had missed uh, The Little Mermaid. That one I didn't actually end up seeing until much later, I think in college, before I saw that one. So Aladdin was my first taste of the uh, the new Disney anime. 
Well, what, the, about, uh, what about Beauty and the Beast? Oh, was that before Aladdin as well? It was 91. Then I missed that one too. I did not see that until college. Hmm. So, yeah, so Aladdin was my first taste of the, the new Disney animation. And, man, I, I thought it was just incredible. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, so a little Disney history for everybody. Uh, little Mermaid was 89. Rescuers Down Under was 90. Beauty and the Beast 91 and Aladdin 92. So Little Mermaid was a huge success, re-ushered in the era of Disney films actually meaning something to audiences. Rescuers Down Under did okay, but it didn't really hit. You know, it was a another it was a sequel from a movie that had, you know, come out during the time when people didn't really go see Disney movies in the theaters. And then Beauty and the Beast, 1991, it was what everybody wanted right after The Little Mermaid. And then we get this movie in 1992 for the Thanksgiving weekend that really, in essence, is one of the Disney movies made for little boys. Now, I'm not going to just generalize Disney movies as a lot of the princess ones are girls and non-princess ones are for boys, but it, it was really marketed as a movie to take your boys to. There was the Princess Jasmine stuff all over the place, but there was a lot more Aladdin and Genie stuff. Well, not, not even about that it was marketed to boys necessarily. It was also Disney wanted to create an exciting prince. Mm-hmm. Because to that point, the princes were largely cardboard background plot devices. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was nothing really very exciting about any of them. I mean, even Prince Eric, you could argue, had a little more personality in The Little Mermaid than any other princes before him. But still, he was just a device for Ariel. Mm-hmm. So Disney wanted to make a prince that was charismatic and energetic and friendly and fun on par with the other Disney princesses. So, right. Right. Yeah. And I was 11 years old when this movie came out, and they did it. You know, I, I can say as an 11-year-old going to see Disney movies, when that was kind of on the end of me caring about animated movies and really wanting to start caring about more adult things, you know, between the ages of 9 and 11, I was like, I'm going to be a teenager soon. I'm, I can't really be into Disney movies anymore. Well, I went and saw Aladdin. My brother's four years younger than me. My parents took us. And I left the theater singing every Aladdin song, wanting to find a genie, wanting to become a prince. Like, I was ready. <laughs> it was a great movie that was hilarious. It was fun, and it had a lot of heart. So my favorite character, you said Iago had you in stitches. I love the carpet. I loved how they made the anamorphic character of the carpet really come to life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was the coolest, coolest thing. Yeah, I, I dug it. It just, uh, it was good. And of course, yeah, the music is, I would say, and now I have seen Beauty and the Beast. I have seen Little Mermaid. I've pretty much seen all the uh, Disney cartoons since then. And I, I put Aladdin up as my favorite soundtrack out of all of mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it's great. And Robin Williams killed it. Oh, for sure. He gave us a character that we had never had in in an animated feature before. And it was something that everyone loved. Not just boys, not just girls, not just parents, not just kids. Everybody loved the genie. Right. And it was reverse animation because he went and did his improv stuff, like 20 different mm-hmm. takes, and the animators drew what he yeah. said rather than him giving a voice to what the animators drew. So that's that's incredible. And, of course, Robin Williams just being the talent that he was. 
the the studio actually when they pitched to him they actually took some of his stand-up routines and animated them so they could give him a flavor of how his particular brand of stand-up and high-energy improv would translate into the character of the genie. And apparently it worked because Robin Williams went all in for it. Yeah. They did have backup choices if he declined. Yes. And... John Candy, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Martin Short, John Goodman, and Albert Brooks were all on the short list if if Robin Williams said no. Yeah, I think Eddie Murphy would have pulled that off. I think he probably would have been the closest to the Robin Williams version out of all the names you just mentioned. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that we still got him in a movie later on um, because he was in 1998's Mulan. That's right. Yes. So we still did get Eddie Murphy. And we got John Goodman in The Emperor's New Groove. That is that is also correct. Took a lot longer for that, though. That was in, what, 2000? And, 2000. Yeah, 2000. I love Emperor's New Groove, but that's a whole other story. Yes. So we have all, this, all these great memories from 1992's Aladdin. We have a great soundtrack to look back to. There's this life that's been brought to these characters in the theme parks jafar walks around the theme parks aladdin and jasmine walk around the theme parks you can ride aladdin's flying carpets at the magic kingdom at walt disney world there's so much of this movie that's been translated into real life and been brought to life for guests of the disney company and uh for people that just care about this property And in 2019, Disney wanted to reach a whole nother group of people by adding Aladdin to its lineup of live action remakes. And so, Eric, can you speak to your experience seeing this movie? Well, it's the second of the live action Disney movies that I've seen. I saw Beauty and the Beast already, and I just recently watched Aladdin. I liked it. I think it was very faithful. I thought maybe even a little more faithful than Beauty and the Beast was um, in its adaptation of the original cartoon. Mm -hmm. Some of the music was – well, I can't say any of it was better. The original was still the best. But I did like how they jazzed up certain parts of Mm -hmm. the classic songs. But I just kind of think Will Smith's uh, renditions – they're not terrible. They're not bad. I, I like them in the movie, but they just did not have that same pop. I, I wish maybe they would have got Will Smith to maybe put a little more oomph into his his singing, but I don't know. Did you know, Phil, uh, Will Smith was a rapper before he became an actor? I did know that. I don't know if any of our listeners know that. Yes, yes, Will Smith. He he was a rapper and and turned actor. A uh, TV show, I don't know if anybody saw it, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, <laughs> he, he was the star. He was the Fresh Prince. Let me tell you my experience seeing it. So came out in early 2019. I didn't see it in the theaters because I've been burned by Disney live-action movies. So I, I love their animated movies. But live-action movies have been either complete retellings, uh, shot-for-shot remakes, or poorly remade movies of something that I loved when I was younger. So 
I opted to not see this one in the theater. And I honestly didn't even watch it until today when we were going to record this podcast. So it's taken until, you know, I can say August of 2020 for me to watch Aladdin, the live action remake of Aladdin. And it didn't live up to the expectation that I think you you gave it a little bit higher praise than I would by saying that it's faithful and it's still enjoyable. I, I had a hard time with it. And, you know, I can boil it down to certain things that certain choices that were made in the movie, and we can get on those in just a minute. But uh, it took me a long time to see the film. And now that I've seen it, I, I truly don't think I ever need to see it again because I have the animated film, which is, in my mind, completely superior. Well, I will agree. It, it took me a good... I don't know, maybe 20 minutes to really get into what I was watching because I just heard, like I said, all of those songs my whole life and to hear them again in a different, not quite as good, nothing really added to it to make it that much more amazing or better version. uh, It just didn't do anything really for me. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't hate it. Um, I just, I just didn't know why it was really necessary. Right. I guess that's, a, the, that's a big thing for all the Disney live action movies. Why are they necessary? Yeah. I mean, of course you got to look through the, you got to look through the new lens. They're, they're trying to, to reach out to kids who might not have ever even seen the originals. This could be their very first taste of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh my gosh, there's a cartoon of this because honestly, I don't even know the way Disney puts their films into vaults. How would kids see that? I mean, I guess if they had Disney Plus, but how would kids even get access to Aladdin anymore? Well, a lot of people have it on DVD and Blu-ray, so I don't, I don't know. My daughter's seen it. I, I don't know. I'd show her that a million times before I show her the live-action one again. She's seen well, it and not with me. Right, saw, but you, you already had the Blu-ray, right? Right. So for, for parents who may not have already had it, that's what I mean. How do yeah. you even... Yeah, Disney Plus is the way to do it. Yeah. And 65 million subscribers have Disney Plus, so I think there's plenty of people that can watch the original Aladdin. <laughs> so I suppose if I was going to say I had any real problem with it, and it's not so much a problem, it's just a point that Disney's got like one trick in its bag of backstory, and <laughs> and that trick is dead parents. <laughs> and it... It beats the heck out of that trick in every movie because there's no mention of Jasmine's mom in the original cartoon. It's just, oh, yeah, my dad's a sultan. That's it. And in this one, it's all, well, you can't go out of the palace because your mom died. I was worried about you going out because your mom died. That was my mom's bracelet. It's like, (laughs) oh, my goodness. Do we need to? Because, and not to divert too much, but just to kind of back up my point, the same thing happened in Beauty and the Beast. You had to watch Belle's mom die. Mm -hmm. It it showed her decline in everything. And it's like, my goodness, just let it be what it was. Just mention it. It's fine. We get it. We don't need any more than that. Because I think that's what these live actions kind of forget is this is still an hour and a half cartoon. You don't need to turn it into a two hour and two minute epic. Right. Like it's a fairy tale and all fairy tales are very, very short, sweet and to the point. And that's why they work. You only need to grab a child's attention for so long. This one, 
like I said, this could have been some kid's first exposure to Aladdin ever. And my gosh, at two hours, what, what are they walking away thinking? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're walking out of there singing those songs the way you did and the way I pretty much hummed them my whole life. Yeah. I, I highly doubt it. I will say my daughter, when she saw it, she did come back home and was singing helpless, but here's so i'm gonna go off on my tirade now so buckle up everybody the song that they added to the movie they first introduce it as helpless and it is about a minute and two seconds long it is too short to introduce Mm -hmm. jasmine's character Mm -hmm. and then when they bring it back later they do it in such an epic way that it finally brings home the point for who Jasmine is, but she already had her arc mm-hmm. that when they had the song play and then she stood up to Jafar, it's like they're beleaguering the fact that they already have given us a strong princess mm-hmm. who can handle herself. So it, mm-hmm. it's just like accentuating a point that didn't need to be made and wasted what six minutes of our time doing that whole scene yes. plus the song? Yes, it's like just make it more simple. Sing the song in the beginning because we've seen you grow a little in the beginning. Sing the song, and then we see you grow through the movie. You don't need yes. to sing the song. We see you grow. You stop growing, and then twenty minutes of the movie goes by, and then you sing a song about how you're growing again. We don't need that. <laughs> All the reprises in these Disney movies happen in animated movies happen at the point when the character is standing up for themselves before the third act. Mm-hmm. It's before the third act. You don't do right. the reprise of the song in the middle of the third act that takes you out of the action. Right. It's just not the way to structure your movie. No, no, ah, it's not at all. And, no. And I'm right there with you. I agree. I the song is beautiful, I, I will say. I love it. I think it's a great song. I'm glad that they wrote it for this movie, but it was in the wrong spot. So that's what it, I'm it, was a, it was a decent song. Yeah, I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I just I agree with everything you said about it. It 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 didn't really fit and their timing and pacing of how they brought it all in just wasn't mm-hmm. right. Because like as soon as she starts my first thought was, oh, great. I get to listen to a song that really isn't part of Aladdin. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this isn't too bad. Oh, it's over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It just ends in the beginning. And <sighs> and I'm like, all right. But then this is where I'm getting at with the whole – it was you know two hours and two minutes and off of an hour and a half cartoon. Mm-hmm. Adding that song was, like you said, an extra six minutes for both parts. And then – the whole party scene where Aladdin dances was not necessary. Yeah, It's yeah, like they're was... trying to think it through too much. Like because it's live action, well, we got to give more of a motivation of why she's not interested in him. We got to give more motivation of why she's sad. We got to give more motivation of why she's growing as a person. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, just cut the same corners because it's a fairy tale. You know, the whole other prince that we see that's there the whole time too like his his scene should have he should have been done when she first met him just like in the cartoon he shouldn't have come back in the dance scene and made a stupid you know two minute 
speech to her. Right. And not that it undermines and not that movies can't change and remakes can't have new points of view. But like we said, the original 1992 Aladdin cartoon was to make a prince and to focus on a prince. Mm -hmm. And then by throwing in the whole Jasmine arc, you could still have had that without it being so blatant. And it, it sort of detracted a little bit from, I mean, the movie's called Aladdin. <laughs> it's not, it's not called Aladdin and Jasmine grows as a woman. You know, it's like <laughs> you, you didn't need it. I'm not against it. It's just, they didn't do it right. The pacing was just really weird. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was very weird. A positive thing I will say about the movie, if if I haven't seen like I found a few positives already, is I did enjoy Will Smith's portrayal of the genie. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as far as as far as I know, Will Smith, he's not a Robin Williamsy type improver. So I'm guessing most of his antics were scripted, and and to that end, I thought he delivered all of it very well. And I thought as a genie. To you know, start off as just a, a simple tool for Aladdin and then become a friend and then be hurt when Aladdin kind of says, hey, I can't free you now. I thought all of that really worked well. And I saw some emotion in Will Smith that, mm-hmm. that I was uh, I was real pleased with that. I thought that was great. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for or Disney and Will Smith got a lot of flack when images of him as the blue genie came out. But I'll say I didn't have a single problem with him being the genie and I didn't care about him being blue and then turning his skin to his normal skin tone. I just, I thought it was really well done. I thought he was probably the shining point of the movie because Mena Massoud, who played Aladdin, was fine. Naomi Scott, who played Jasmine, she did a, I think she did a really good job playing Princess Jasmine. I would agree. But she outshined the, the actor Mena who played Aladdin, I think, because he just wasn't, great i don't know if she outshined him as much as i felt like if any character was almost exactly like the cartoon it was him and that didn't fit because nobody else was exactly like the cartoon it's almost like he was playing it shot for shot and everybody else was like well i'm gonna put a little spin on it you know what you're a hundred percent right I didn't think about that until right now, and obviously I just watched it a few hours ago, but you were 100% correct. He, like, I, I was having problems with the way he was delivering lines because he was delivering lines like he was in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like he was overemphasizing words and he was trying to make his face contort a little bit when he would say certain things. And it was just taking me out of his scenes and I couldn't get to the emotion of the character that he was trying to portray. Mm-hmm. And he always had this smirk on his face that I just didn't like, I don't know if I know Aladdin had this fun smirk, but it was mm-hmm. always warranted and I didn't feel like his was always warranted. So it just, I don't know. I had a rough time with it. So the, I think you hit it right on the head. And I think it also goes down, you know, for me, a problem with the film is also Guy Ritchie's direction. Guy Ritchie is an action movie director. <laughs> he knows how to film fights like very raw, very visceral fight scenes. Mm -hmm. And this was a musical fantasy. Yeah. The biggest fight scene they had was in the beginning of the movie when Aladdin and Jasmine were running away from the guards. And the Mm -hmm. way that Guy Ritchie tried to make 
the movie more interesting during that action scene is, I don't know if you recognize this, but he sped it up. Yes. I got so angry. I don't know why I had such a visceral response to it, but I got so upset that they were rushing through Agrabah and the bad guys were coming at them. And you could tell it was like timed 1.25 times faster than it should have been. Oh, and you sure. know that he was directing them to sing slowly because they'd need to match it up with how it's going to be in the movie, right? So he'd probably play the soundtrack at a negative 0.75 speed so that they could sing it slower and act it slower. And it just looked terrible. Not just bad, it looked terrible. Every time they move, it looked like an old Benny Hill TV episode. Because they were just running from one side to the other and jumping up here and jumping down there. But it was all just a little too fast and a little too frenetic. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to get my parkour Aladdin action figure. <laughs> <laughs> but he was always like that, right? He did that in the first He movie. was, but it just it looked sillier because there were just so many more yeah, scenes yeah, of it, yeah, you right. know, whereas as a cartoon, it's like, you, oh, yeah, he's, but then to watch a human do it, I, I kind of, well, here's something I noticed, and I don't know if you picked up on this, and anybody who has ever been to Disney World and gone to Hollywood Studios and seen the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, is that going to be the Aladdin stunt spectacular? Because a lot of those stunts, the pole yeah. and the, the roof jumping and the falling, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the exact, this is the stunt show. They probably just filmed it there. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. Like I'm watching all of these like propped up poles and trick uh, canvas awnings and the rooftop stuff. And I'm like, I've seen this. Where have I seen this? Oh, I saw it at the Indiana Jones stunt show. I didn't pick up on that. So it's funny that you say that. They're going to they're going to tie this all in. (laughs) Well, they should now, right? Yeah. One one part of the action sequence I did like, I thought was really cool. I thought it was unnecessary because, again, you're adding more time and we didn't really need it. But I did like giant scary Yago when he turns him into that crazy eagle whatever monster bird. Yeah. That I thought was really cool. It was cool. It was a cool way to use Iago when Iago was such a big part of the cartoon. And he was kind of a side character in this film. So it was a really good Very way to much. use Iago. But I didn't like that they substituted the snake sequence with the Iago huge bird sequence yeah you're right i i was waiting for the big snake and then i was distracted by the big bird and then and then by the time the movie was over i completely forgot i was waiting for mm-hmm. jafar to turn into the snake yeah i just thought that would have been so cool because the snake motif was in his his staff the whole time and that was the whole point of in the movie right. when he became a sorcerer he became a snake because he saw snakes as predatory and and strong and you know being able to constrict and and tighten his grasp on the sultan right like it was such a good metaphor for what he was doing the whole movie and then in this film they just make a big bird and although it was a cool action scene it didn't play to why jafar is who jafar is so going going back to uh the actors who did a good job. I thought Jafar did great though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much enjoyed every scene he was in. Whereas in the cartoon, Jafar just kind of felt like a little bit of, you know, the bad guy plot device. And 
I didn't necessarily enjoy. I didn't dislike him. He just didn't do anything for me really except to be the bad guy, whereas I felt like Jafar had a little bit of weight to him mm-hmm. in this movie. And and was it necessary? No, but it it was it was minor and it just brought a little more to the character. You know, he didn't get his whole song about being number two. I'll be number two forever, you know. <laughs> right. A <laughs> uh, little, little uh, something about me. I, Aladdin holds a very special place in my heart because in high school, our theater group did Aladdin and I was Aladdin. So there's part of me that feels a little bit of a bond to this character and seeing it in this movie and seeing the guy play Aladdin in this movie and do it. He didn't do it a disservice, but he just didn't live up to the character that I have in my head from 1992 that I got to portray when I was in high school and that whose songs I've loved and sang since I was a kid and now sing with my daughter, you know, it just, it just didn't hit right. Do you have that on VHS somewhere? I actually do. I do. (laughs) I need to see that dude. I have it on digital. I will send it to you. I need to see it. And we'll talk about that on (laughs) Phil Durasmo ruined my childhood by being a (laughs) lad. Uh, I'm sure it's probably not far off from from what would happen. (laughs) So, Eric, I guess with all this being said, did Aladdin's 2019 film, Disney's Aladdin, ruin your childhood? No, it just did not. uh, It just didn't feel like I I needed to see a live action uh, Aladdin. I was actually expecting a little bit more from the music uh, with Will Smith, but... I just feel like he just didn't bring that same that same gravity, that same oomph that uh, that Robin Williams did. And then again, maybe that's because of my childhood nostalgia with it of, you know, having heard it since 1992 over and over and over and then hear somebody else do it. It just didn't uh, it just didn't ring. But I felt like most of the other characters did a good job. And uh, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming you weren't surprised. You know, but did you need the wraparound story of the fact that the genie's on the boat at the beginning and he's got the wife and the kids? Was that necessary? It definitely wasn't necessary, but it was a good way to tell the story because the cartoon had the genie as the little salesman guy who's selling julienne fries. And that's like his new thing now. He's not the genie anymore. He's this drifter who's selling wears i think that it was a better ending for the genie for him to having having being a genie for so long and being locked up for so long to fall in love and be with someone and create you know have children and start to grow up i think it was i think it was a good way to complete the genie's story so to and you know what? As you say that, I see that because you're right. The original just ends and it's Robin Williams and he's off to do his own adventure. Woo, whatever. It's crazy anime and whatever Robin Williams came up with. Mm-hmm. Whereas if Rob, if Will Smith would have just been freed, it would have been like, wow, thank you. Now, now what do I do? I've been a genie for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I guess I get that. Like that. I'm going to live in Bel Air, I think. Yeah. I just don't know if I needed the the beginning part. Or maybe it didn't matter because everybody already knows the story. So it's fine that you see that this is what ended up happening to the genie. But then that ultimately gives it away. 
like that might have been a nice surprise if they would have kept that to the end mm-hmm. and maybe watched him sail away with the woman. Of course, they wouldn't have had the kids then. Nassim Pedrad is the, the woman who plays Dahlia, and she's amazing. I think she's, she's really good as the handmaiden yes. who falls in love with Jeannie. Oh, I thought she was really good. She was Saturday Night Live, right? Yep, Saturday Night Live, and then she was in um, New Girl. Okay. She's, uh, she's, she's got some good comedy chops. Yeah, yeah. Oh, her scenes were great. The whole mm-hmm. coming to the door, and Will Smith pulled that off great, too. Yeah, where, it was great. Yeah, where he couldn't quite get it together, and he's like, oh, that kid is infectious. Yep. Couldn't get his smooth mm-hmm. charm going. But, uh, yeah, is it a childhood runer? No, not by any stretch. Uh, the original will still always be the original, will always still be amazing. And uh, and this was just a, a neat take on it, but uh, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to show it to kids. If I was going to show them anything, I'd show them the original. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It, it didn't ruin my childhood, but, man, Disney making these live-action films to redo what they did so well in animation is really off-putting to me. And so none of these films are going to ruin my childhood because I will always look back at the Disney movies fondly and I will always love Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and, you know, whatever else comes. I think they just announced yesterday or the day before that Tom Hanks is going to play Geppetto in the live-action Pinocchio. So... They're going to keep doing it, and they're going to keep making it. And I know that they're not making these movies for me. They're making them for the new generation of kids who didn't see Pinocchio when it came out in 1937 or whatever year it came out, 1940. They are definitely bastardizing some of what made these movies magical in animation. And that's where I have a problem with it. So I won't go out of my way to see all of them. I will probably only see all of them when we're going to talk about them on these podcasts. I've seen three so far, Aladdin being the well four now with Aladdin. Um, and there are others that I haven't touched yet, but we'll get to them. Well, at least with the live action Pinocchio, we won't have to sit through some, you know, brand new invented, you know, parental death of Pinocchio, you know, unless... You know, it shows Geppetto in the woods, cut down two trees, and it's like, no, the bomb man. <laughs> yep. yep. Unless know. they give Geppetto a wife, and then the wife dies when Pinocchio becomes a real boy. Oh, um, yes, that's what they're going to do. You nailed it. Yep. They're going to work See, death in there. You know, another thing we didn't touch on was how they did the parallel in this in the newer Aladdin and the live action Aladdin between Jasmine losing her mother and Aladdin talking to her about losing his mother. And that was just trying, it was trying too hard in the movie. I don't know why they didn't just take the stage version of Aladdin and leave Jasmine's mother out of it, but give Aladdin the same song that he has in the Broadway musical Aladdin, which is called proud of your boy, which is a beautiful ballad. It is a beautiful song, and it really gives you Aladdin's motivation as to why he wants to, you know, why he wants to rise above his station. And I mean, of course, you know, anybody that's in a movie, anybody that's poor wants to become rich, right? That's just the way they are in movies. Mm-hmm. But the, the song, it's like a three and a half to four minute song that just tells you really why Aladdin wants to do more and wants to do better and is this diamond in the rough. 
And it's sad that when we had the opportunity to bring live action Aladdin to the masses, that they didn't include this life affirming song for that character. So if anybody out there hasn't heard it, go search for it, hit up Spotify or YouTube or whatever, and search for proud of your boy from Aladdin, the musical. It's amazing. Now, see, I can't comment on that because I have not heard that, but I would just go with one of your earlier statements, which is just leave Jasmine's mom out of it. Leave Aladdin's parents out of it. Like he's, he's, there's a, a line in one of the songs where a woman says, you don't have any parents and it shows. And this is, this is after he's already said his, he's an orphan. And I'm just like, Ooh, geez, went out of the way to mention that his parents died. And now somebody's singing about it. <laughs> hey, I blame parents, except he hasn't got them. That's the line. Yes. I blame parents, but that, that line took out a whole new meaning. Cause the last he said, my parents died. And then Jasmine's like, my parents died. Yeah. He hasn't got any parents and it shows. Ouch. <laughs> Out, street woman. <laughs> uh, those street women. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, where can people find you if they want to listen to your musings outside of this podcast? People can find me on my other podcast, Everything, Anything, and Nothing Really. It's available on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And people can catch me on my Instagram at Eric, E R I C underscore Wilinski, W-I-E-L-I-N-S-K-I. Very nice. And for me, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at PhilDimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And you can hear me potentially on some other podcasts in the Real Fans for Real Movies Network, Real Fans for Real Movies, Disorder, Every Disney Film in Order, Holy Batcast, the All-Batman Podcast, and Grim Grinning Hosts, podcast about theme parks. Also follow this podcast at Podcast Ruined on Twitter. One word, Podcast Ruined. And we hope that this look back at Aladdin didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Oh, all of you, come over here, big group hug. Group hug. Ooh. Do you mind if I kiss the monkey? Ooh, hairball. Well, I can't do any more damage around this popsicle stand. I'm out of here! Bye, you two crazy lovebirds! Hey, Rugman, ciao! I'm history! No, I'm mythology! Nah, I don't care what I am! I'm free! A whole new world. A whole new life. Made you look. He brought so much coke to those recording sessions and just did lines and delivered his lines. <laughs> did he really? I know. I'm, I'm sure he came in already high. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably cut that. I was going to say, don't for, disparage Robin Williams. <laughs> Not Robin. Come on. Well, he kind of disparaged himself for a long time, but that's what's uh, <laughs>